If you say there is no God, you know you're a fool, and the life of a fool looks very despairing and confusing and ultimately self-destructive. And so all of these sort of attempts to, to create meaning and purpose outside of transcendental anchor, you know, that has been given to us is just, it's, it's heartbreaking. Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. It's just Matt and uh, me today. Um, Nick is in the Netherlands at his sister's wedding, which is um, just about as exotic as it sounds. But uh, we wish him safe travels and happy, um, I don't know, Dutch food, eating, whatever, you know, lots of pickled pickled fish of some sort or but i was excited to hear um that y'all continued the uh planet fitness membership that you opened up here uh yeah. that's good to yeah, hear i'm excited about that i've always worked out like with my own weights at home because i didn't want to pay the, I mean, I'm, I'm very cheap so no, I, you can't get any cheaper than planet fitness like, i know they well, pay it, you to come if you use the bathroom and shower there, if you actually made that your primary bathroom, you know, your primary sort of place where you showered and, and, and uh, you know, particularly in the winter, I mean, they're paying you to come, essentially. You'd save in the water bill. You totally you would. So, so you are. I don't yeah, know no, how. It's only 10 bucks a month. And it's like, and it's, uh, you know, unless you like are like a massive bodybuilder who needs um, a lot more weight than they, there's, there's no free weights there. It's all machines. So well, that's interesting. We have a little. There's some free weights. There's some dumbbells. There's free weights up to like, but it's not like. So the, the yeah, they don't have the ones I normally don't. frequent. The 130 pound dumbbells yeah. that I uh, do. Yeah. <laughs> the big, the, the, the big time bodybuilders don't like it because it doesn't go up. To, they have free weights, but they don't go to the high. To the dumbbells don't go as high as they need to. And then they have the bench press, um, and you know, deadlift that kind of thing. But they're all on those uh, those, those runners. Yeah, those are called. Um, uh, I used I used to know the name of those machines, but I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, there's a name for it. It's named after the, the guy Smith machine. I think. So real. Oh, Smith. Okay. So real bodybuilders apparently don't like those, but I don't know why. But um, yeah, you don't have anybody in there like carrying around a, a gallon jug of water, you know, <laughs> which is always, which is always the sign of a real uh, intense. Um, workout guy and i say this as someone that was i mean i was i have gone through every sort of iteration of of working out you could think of considering at one point becoming a um what do they call the old man category it's not um not seniors was 40 and over like olympic power lifter like when i was 38 i was starting to get into it again and i was and then there's a famous family picture of us where i was like (laughs) liza was like what's wrong with you you know because i was like bursting out of a t-shirt i was like well I think I need to switch back to group fitness and planet fitness, but yeah, but I did want to tell y'all, I know we're sort of uh, breaking the fourth wall because we're talking on on a podcast about another podcast, but, but there is a, there is in fact a t-shirt called God's gym um, that has a picture of Jesus. Um, uh, I think he's busting off of the cross muscular. We could probably Google that, but anyway, I wore that proudly as a middle schooler. It was very cool back in the early nineties of the last century. And, um, and the the tag line underneath it, as many of our listeners, because we have at least two or three, no, no, was his pain, your gain, God's gym, bench press this, uh, you know, something That's like horrible. that. That's awful. It was awesome. <laughs> well, my parents had a rule where you could, um, if we went to the Christian bookstore when they existed, uh, I had basically unlimited expend, uh, spending power. So 
I got a lot of my um, sort of cool uh, <laughs> clothing and, and necklaces and things. <laughs> oh, man. Well, at any rate, it's a good, actually a good transition. And so it's one of the topics um, about which we wanted to speak today, which is um, sort of the current state of masculinity in the world. Uh, it's always a topic. It certainly has been for the past couple of uh, years, a hot topic. And with the, we talked about Oppenheimer last week. We didn't talk about the Barbie movie, which I have not seen, although I have read some quite interesting reviews of it, including one by Peter Lightheart, who I really, I really appreciate many of his insights, um, who was, who was finding some good in it, you know, saying that it was sort of a, uh, double down, um, you know, cynic that kind of revealed, uh, the absurdity of the, um, of the argument that there are no gender distinctions. Um, you know, that was actually embedded in it, whether or not it was a, um, you know, anti-male screed or not. I mean, that, I, that was one of the ones that kind of piqued my interest. And yeah. I've read similar ones now that make me, um, I think I'll probably try to figure out how not to pay for it and see it. But, um, but I certainly, I may want to watch it if only for, um, you know, kind of educational purposes. I read that it was a, uh, the, the, one, the best review or the, the most positive review I read from a conservative person um, said that it was like a, a feminine or female version of Odysseus, right? Mm. So, so Odysseus, it starts off in, in the kind of the female version of Nirvana, kind of like Odysseus at, was it Circe? Who was the, who was the- Xerxes? Uh, well, Xerxes. The the woman the the the, the vixen who is threat who 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 could have kept Odysseus there with her forever but instead he chose to go back to his wife um, I forgot the name of it Circe I think it was but um uh, anyway she's uh, Barbie has this like Nirvana where all the women are friends and the men are doing what they women want um, then there's the the crisis where uh, Ken <laughs> uh, brings the patriarchy to Right, uh, Barbie Land, and um, and then they kind of <laughs> uh, a, a fight, and, and but but the whole but the, the reason it was like Odysseus, this guy was saying, is that is that Barbie has to choose reality. She has to choose the all the all the pains and turmoil of of going back to or, or living in a real world rather than a Barbie. Right. World. And same and same thing is true with Odysseus. You know, he, he could have stayed with Cersei yes. and had a great time, but he had to go back to his wife. Fight off her suitors, suitors kill them all, and, and take up the role of interesting. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, if I knew how to link in the comments, I would say you should put that link in there. I, but I have no yeah, idea. I yeah, well, yeah, I read. You don't ever do the that. One, do the one I don't even know how. To, even when I watch YouTube videos that say links are in the comments, I can't find the links. So I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know. believe you. I, I um. No, one of the ones I read, which I thought was pretty interesting, uh, was that it was the sort of 21st version, female version of Fight Club, you know, and if you, if, I mean, I was the perfect age and demographic for Fight Club when it came out, because I was just angsty enough, and I was just sort of educated enough, and I was just sort of, um, well, I was just enough of all the, all the things to have it describe at least part of my fears about the future, you know, sort of cubicle life and Ikea dwelling and sort of, um, you know, all of these things. And I, um, and this person was arguing that there was a similar sort of at least acknowledgement of a um, sort of a desperation or a despair with kind of the, the challenges of modern, um, you know, femininity. I mean, even insofar as today, you can't even, you can't even determine whether or not biologically there's a distinction, you know, that's even an, it's an additional com competitive reality that, that, 
that um, you know women and and um, have, and it was really it was really heart wrenching to a certain degree because you know again we'll get in, into the subject subject matter here, you know all of these sort of dystopic um, and uh, kind of descriptive uh, broken um, pictures of the world are are clearly not only articulated as a result um, of sin in the Bible, but also we get glimpses of of you know, different cultural iterations, but certainly the same sense of lostness, you know, the same sense of, um, of impending despair has been, has been taught to us, you know, in the scriptures. I mean, and that's what's so heartbreaking about it. Um, on one hand is that, you know, if you, if you say there is no God, you know, you're a fool and the life of a fool looks very despairing and confusing and ultimately self-destructive. And so all of these, these, um, sort of attempts to to create meaning and purpose outside of um, you know transcendental anchor you know that has been given to us is just it's it's heartbreaking you know so some of the laments you know that I've read I mean because I've read I mean I've read a ton of articles about it I just can't I haven't gone to inside a movie theater since COVID for just because I mean why do you need to but um and I don't feel like spending three hours. Um, watching the Barbie movie at this point, but you know all of the quotes about how difficult it is to be a woman. You know you have to be capable, and you have to be you know you have to be aware of your your looks, and you have to be um, in, at some point a mother. You have to be a good wife. All of these things, you know, these impossible um, weights to carry, and it's hard not to watch that and say, you know, I wish that you you could find some solace and comfort um, in the Lord, you know, or in in some in in and you know increasingly is the case i think people are going to hit the wall and find us find go looking for um right. you know that hope and that i mean that's that's the hope in all of this for me i mean i know we're talking about masculinity but <laughs> but i think that there's been a, a lot of good work done uh, re recently by women on recapturing yeah. natural natural femininity i mean the 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 use of technology by I think it was third wave feminism I'm not sure which, which wave it was but the use of technology to shut down the the natural cycles of of birth and um, uh, just do wreak havoc on the, on the on a female body so that she could compete and yeah and play field hockey or plays or wherever, wherever has has just done has devastated uh, women they're, they're living completely unnatural technologically uh, adjusted, uh, adjusted lives so they can uh so they can compete with men um and and it's it's well the women that we see now who are being supplanted in various places by trans men that's that's the that's the whirlwind that's the, <laughs> that's that's yeah. where that's where we've become that's what that's what's happened as a result of us deciding that we know better than God about how the human body works and about mm -hmm. how, how men and women uh, relate together. Well, you've read that Mary Harrington book. I mean, we've yeah. mentioned it a bunch, but that was, that was an amazingly sort of eye-opening book to me. Um, and I, I, I think about that as often as I think about any sort of piece of, you know, non-theological nonfiction I've read in the last probably five years, um, because it was almost a lament. You know, I think that was, that was really what you could describe that as like classically like a lament of a lost femininity, you know, decades of, 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 of a womanhood that, um, you know, thankfully she's recovering some of that, but certainly it was um, heart-wrenching to read some of that. And I think, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think that the, the tide, I hope the tide is turning. I mean, this is what, you know, this is, um, 
what we will expect as the kingdom continues to advance um, and grow um, under, yeah, the, I mean, under the right. shadow of the cross. We will see with, the <laughs> with regard to you know masculinity, though. I mean, it, it, it's, 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 the, the the question always comes up with this is you know some men. So I think the Bible does pretty clearly say effeminacy is 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 not a good thing if you're if you're a man and you're effeminate and I guess the Greek word that's often used for that is malakoi. Malakoi, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, then that's then there's something out of out of whack. Well, and, sorry, go ahead. And yet, I mean, and yet, okay. There's there are men who are clearly men, but they're not a. I guess I guess ma- masculinity tends to be culturally defined in a lot of ways. Like, like how our culture has masculinity being in uh, within a certain framework and have certain norms and certain words and certain ways of talking and living and walking, um, which are set, which are distinct to our culture. And some, some men who are really men just, they're, they're, they just don't fit into that. Right. So, right. Well, so, it's interesting you, know, you say, it's yeah, interesting fine. you say that about Malakoy because I read, and I need to find the citation, but even if it's not, um, well, it, it, I read this, um, that the definition like Malakoy within stoicism at the very least, because it was a, it was an understood term, um, was, was, was used to describe a man who didn't pick up the responsibilities that he had been given, that he somehow was shirking responsibility. And I think that's, and that makes a lot of sense to me because that's okay. actually transcultural, because if we go back and connect, you know, the actual, um, reality of men and women that God has designed us for in the fact that, you know, we can't bear children, but we obviously, we are part of the process. Um, and it's God's design and purpose and intent that we enter into that union, um, holy union and remain so, then the mark of effeminacy or malachoy throughout um, human history could be seen very easily as this very place where men who bring children into the world or who, you know, impregnate women, um, you know, abandon them or, or uh, lay down their responsibilities to some degree. And that happens across cultures. You know, that happens across, um, has happened since, I mean, that's one of the curse of the fall. You know, the pain will be in childbearing. It won't be the just physical pain, but the pain will be that, you know, for nine months, you're going to be heavily inconvenienced. And for the next however long, um, that guy could just just as well. And we know people who have just up and leave, you know, and that's going to be part of the resentment and the sort of the deep wound at the heart of the male female relationship that Jesus came to expose and address and and, and redeem. But, you know, that it exists is as right. old, literally, as time itself. I mean, that's what we saw in the garden. That's what we saw in the ramifications of it sort of echo out from, from that brokenness. So by this, this, by this way of thinking, effeminacy isn't, isn't a tone of voice or a way a person That's right, of course. Yes. Or a way a person dresses. It has to do with the whether or not the man is willing to stand up and be a man and, and, and take responsibility for his family, take responsibility That's right. for protecting the weak, for getting a job, for, for well, doing, doing the, the basic things that men must do to make society go and to help their families. Is that, is that's that right. Correct? And that's what, that's exactly right. And I look at the, you know, I think Al Mohler talks about this, or at least the first I heard of it, but I've thought a lot about it since he mentioned it years ago, is that, you know, talking about the 
the um, sort of the the valuing or marriage in particular. And when I say marriage, it's not uh, you know just the actual sort of monogam the the, the the covenantal monogamous you know union. You know, like you have forsaking all others. You know, that's a big decision to make. Um, but it actually then puts into uh, proper perspective all of the other sort of goods of life that um, outside of that perspective become idols. So for instance, work, you know, work in this, in light of a father's responsibility for the, um, in particular becomes service for his wife and children, you know, um, uh, you know, the uh, family itself, you know, becomes a place where, uh, you know, the, the sort of discipleship is made. You have recreation, you know, becomes a place of enjoyment, not simply for yourself and, and, and so on and so forth, you know, money, power, all the things that can so easily become, um, uh, we can become, uh, they can become idols in our lives are actually put into perspective by this, this relational reality of reuniting the image of God, this side of heaven, namely men and women, um, you know, united through Christ, uh, re-imaging um, and repurposing the image of God itself um, through their union. And I think that, and we've talked about this a bunch, but I think in the absence of that, it's unsurprising that you've got like, you know, like Gloria Steinem on one end and Andrew Tate on the other, you know, you've got this just sort of exaltation of zero-sum animus between men and women where well, there's this, um, yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, in some sense, if, you're, if, if, if we're talking about Malakoy being a person who doesn't take responsibility for those in his life and who shirks, um, shirks virtue, um, then Andrew Tate's effeminate. He's, he's just... Exactly, that's exactly he's, right. He's Malakoy, he's not, he's, not, he's not a man. That's uh, exactly right. And I, I'm really, I'm actually, I don't want to go off on a tangent on that, but I'm really disappointed in, in some conservative people who are... <laughs> interviewing him as if he's as if he has some kind of substance or something we want to listen to he's just he's 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 a, a wicked wicked man a wicked wicked male i don't think i use the word man um he's a wicked wicked male you know it's just kind of interesting i i because i i think that's I, I like this idea of of mass yeah I'm, i mean i want to make sure we got to find that we'll find link in the comments uh where it is but at, at the very least at the very least, whether the Stokes use it or not, that is a, an apt definition of not what it means to be a masculine human being um, is yeah. to shirk responsibility. I mean, that's what. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I mean you it know. goes back, you know, because so I, I know there's a lot of it's interesting. When I was a kid, maybe you had this too, but when I was a kid, there, it was still it was still OK to say to a boy who was like, you know, doesn't didn't want to get back in the game after he got hurt or, or it was kind of like crying during a football game or a baseball game. It was still OK back then to say man up. Get back in there, rub some dirt on it, you know. Uh, just you got to get back in and fight. I think that's a direct quote from the Apostle Paul. Yeah, I think <laughs> so. <laughs> act, like, act like men. So, and I, I mean, right now, now those those phrases, and I've read uh, some uh, some articles about the phrase "man up" in particular uh, as being abusive and uh, and harmful um, to tell to tell a young boy to man up. Um, but what what that does in a in the in more positive light is it it really does encapsulate what what boyhood is supposed to do for men, and it's supposed to teach men to endure pain, um, to to continue to go forward toward a goal even if you're wounded. Um, so you have to serve others. If you're on a, if it's sports, you have to serve your team, even if you're hurting. And when you grow up and become a man, you have to serve your family, even if you're hurting, or you have to, and you have, if you're, you know, 
if you're a pastor, you have to serve your congregation, even if you're hurting. If you're a, right. you have to, you may have the male masculine role in society is, you know, of course, cruciform. It should be anyway. You 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 die to yourself daily for your family, for your wife, for your kids, for your um, and then if if need be for your country and um and and so so that 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 ideal of manhood has been uh, therapeutized, I guess. I'm not I'm not sure that's the right word, but um, I don't I don't I, I think that a lot in the secular world anyway that's gone. Or at least it's it's admired when people see it, but in the way that we raise boys now, that's not that's we don't we're not raising men to be that way. Even though still I think men who are that way are admired. I remember I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but there was a there was a, a French. I, I rarely praise the French, but there was a French. Uh, I think it was a, a either a police officer or a French special forces guy who uh who there was a hostage situation in paris and he offered to take the place of all of the hostages or one of them mm. himself i forget if it was all of them or one of them and the, and the terrorists said okay um and he went in and and they, they released either all of them or one of them one of the hostages in his place and he ended up they ended up killing him um but there's just just everyone in the world loved that the, the, I think I think the few that guy that that man's funeral was broadcast live on American TV. I think uh, I remember watching it. Um, so people admire masculinity when it's on display like that. But we're not doing the things we need to do to raise men who will do those. Things. That's right. Well, that's a good segue into what I sort of wanted to talk about too, which was the Boy Scouts, um, because that was you know they that was founded in part um, as a as a reaction to uh, an awareness, sort of a general awareness, certainly at the turn of the um, 20th century, um, back in the early 1900s, um, with you know the results of the Industrial Revolution and what that was going to do to men, because you know it turns out feral men are a real problem. You know, like the aimless feral men, and particularly if they have access to well, like in London, gin, um, they they become real problems and a real drain on society. You know, and so. There were all sorts of movements, and you can read the history of this, you know, muscular Christianity, you know, the, the gymnastics movement started in the late 19th century, and um, uh, Friedrich Ludwig Jan, you know, started to try to, you know, get men back moving again, because, you know, they were still eating full English breakfast or whatever, but they just weren't pushing a plow, and all of a sudden, <laughs> it turns out that everyone's dying of a heart attack at 42. Um, and so it's not, it's not a, the, the difference between our, our, current situation and 100 years ago is that there was at least an acknowledged problem with this whereas now you know there's the, if you even if you even talk like this in you know polite secular um, company you know you'll be well asked to leave you know or you'll be excused for being some sort of neanderthal or some sort of um, you know uh, biological essentialist um, you know uh, and and so the answer to this is twofold it's not only training boys to be future men but it's also raising girls to be the type women who are looking and expecting those type men i mean it's it's twofold because it can't be a um you know one side of the equation is not going to fix the other i mean that's that's been the whole the, the whole lie uh from the from um at the heart of the whole breakdown between men and women in the beginning is that it's a zero-sum game like if i have power and strength, and I must have taken it from you. Whereas the actual 
promise of God is that uh, strong women require strong men and vice versa in order to raise strong children and be um, cities on a hill, you know, salt and light. And so I think that's where, you know, I've been searching for this. I mean, you're ahead of me, Matt, with your children older. Um, but, you know, this, this, as I've talked about before, I was indifferent to these things and actually was probably, um, <laughs> I don't know, sliding into uh, malacoyness. I don't know if that's the, how you make that an adjective, but, um, but uh, until I had children of my own and we wanted children, we just weren't able to have them. But it was like this, this, this sack of responsibility hit me like a 50, 50 pound bag. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's what that's what responsibility feels like, you know, and that was only eight years ago. So I'm sitting in like recovery for eight years, but it has, it has definitely changed my life. And I think, and I, I trust the Lord in his timing. I think I can speak to sort of a before and after with, um, with, with some insight into myself in a way that I, I will, obviously he needed me to learn it that way, but suffice it to say, we now have two girls and three boys who are all in the formative ages, and we have been looking um, apace at what do we do and how do we form them. And I was excited. I was telling you before we started recording, we just chartered what's called a trail life troop. And I don't know if our listener is aware of this, but it's um, I was have been aware of trail life ever since um, its inception, which is really only about 10 years ago now. Because if you remember back in 2012, when the Boy Scouts of America finally formalized their um, acceptance. I think the, the precipitating cause was they were going to allow openly homosexual men to serve as leaders, which, um, which was uh, disquieting for a, a large number of Boy Scouts. And so we happened to have in Louisville at the time a huge number of very high prominent Scouts who were wringing their hands and they were very dis, dis, uh, discouraged by this. And at that time, Trail Life started, which was essentially a bunch of former Boy Scouts who said, we're not going this direction. And of course, they saw the writing on the wall because over the subsequent years, not only were homosexual men allowed to be uh, leaders, but then they were allowing boys, you know, sort of openly, um, you know, boys on the sexual spectrum to join and sort of celebrate that. And then they most recently have allowed not just girls, but trans men. And so they have, there's an article in the Washington Post that Al Mohler mentioned as a recording of today that I just read. Uh, that talks about the jamboree that they had for the first time since COVID that has a giant pride, you know, sort of tent right in the heart of it. And it was, you know, celebrated and there are all these inclusion badges and everyone's sort of, um, you know, fawning over this new brand new day of boys. Uh, they don't even call it Boy Scouts anymore. It's scouting Scouts of America or something. And so in light of that, Trail Life is simply just an unabashed uh, Christian version of Boy Scouts. You know, they, um, you have to be a Christian. Like I was interviewed for like an hour by the CEO or one of the higher ups to make sure that our church, that I was personally in line with their vision, that our church was, you know, was solid. And, um, you know, their motto is walk worthy, uh, that you may walk worthy of the Lord from Colossians 1.10, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. But his, the, the vision is really what was compelling to me. It says, our vision is to be the premier national character development organization for young men, which produces godly and responsible husbands, fathers, and citizens. And I was like, sign me up. So I've been on, I've been like talking about nothing else at our church here for a while because I'm, you know, my oldest son is seven. So I'm, I'm, he's like right prime age to start this. And I'm not really much of a scout myself, although I'm happy to take uh, direction. And so you know, I look at things like that, and I think that 
you know, again, 20 years ago, we might have said, well, you know, what's the big deal? Why would you need an entire new organization? But now um, these these dividing lines are becoming clearer, brighter and deeper. Uh, and and I hope that this type of organization is just one of many that will begin to arise to help us um you know, mold and shape the future men and women, um, you know, of the church, you know, the world. That was the original intent of the Boy Scouts. It was to to shape men to be men, and and uh, you know, was, I guess people critique the the original Boy Scouts as a paramilitary, pre-military, you know, training program, which I don't think was a terrible thing. If it, if they, <laughs> that's yeah. what it was. I mean. Um, but yeah, there are there that that sounds like a great program. Uh, there's also the Calvinist Cadets, if you want. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual thing. Yeah, I uh, believe it. I right. was a, I was a, I was a Royal Ranger, uh, Royal Ambassador, which is the Baptist right. version of awesome. that. So yeah, it's cool. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, but but I mean, more than any, more than all of that, I think, and and this is another tragedy of our, our contemporary era is 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 that. A boy needs a father who is is going to be um, living, modeling manhood for him um, as he's growing up. And my my dad, I mean, I, I I my dad did not have a father. His father left my grandmother when um, he was one, and so it was it, there was he was raised as with just from just with just my grandmother. Um, so he had to figure it out on his own, um, and he. I mean, I'm just, I'm still to this day amazed about uh, how, how my father turned out to be a, a man, I mean, a, a, real, a real man and, um, and yet not cruel and not, um, uh, not, not so caught up with his own losses that he, he, he couldn't sacrifice his, his whole life was sacrificial toward me and my, toward my mother. Um, yeah, and so so I think there's I think that uh, having a father who who is a is a, is a man, um, is is the the key to having a, a next having a, a new generation of men who are raised up. Well, I do uh, think you can find those surrogate though. I mean, I have I'm thinking in particular of a of friend course. of mine whose husband yeah. died. Um, actually, um, there's five children. So five children. Husband died um, young, and it was it was sad and tragic although redemptive because they're believers and she's purposely sought out um you know godly men to to basically be the male influence um in her children's lives and it's really a beautiful thing to watch because it's um you know there's a recognition again it goes back to the to the what i think you and Anna have been talking about we've been talking about there's the the, the problem with the current situation is no one is acknowledging the, the, the roots of the issue, because if you acknowledge the, at least from the biblical perspective, the roots, well, then you can do something about it. So, you know, if you have a deadbeat husband that leaves you and you're a believer and you, you're seeking out, well, then you should go looking for a faithful, you know, courageous, um, flawed and sinful, of course, but, but, but redeemed, sanctified man who you ask, you know, could you help, help me? Like, I can't offer all this. And I think vice versa, you know, if you were a single father who, um, had daughters in particular, you know, you say, I mean, now, you know, that gets a little trickier, I think. Um, but at any rate, you know, that's what churches are for. You know, I tell my congregation all the time, like I need God, not just godparents, but surrogate fathers, surrogate uncles and aunts and cousins to help, um, help me in this endeavor. And I think 
you know, I think as churches are clearer on that issue, like we say, then I think it's not just a discipleship issue, but it's actually an evangelistic opportunity. Because, you know, I got hit by a 50 pound weight of responsibility and I um, was as prepared as Christianly as anyone could be. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of people who aren't prepared at all in any capacity and it just lays them out flat. And when they see people, I mean, like you guys are a good encouragement to me, see people who are, are navigating the challenges of life with, with raising, you know, multiple children, you know, how do you afford them? How do you do it? How can you, it's like, well, we've got examples, we've got people and we've got encouragement. And so I think that's where, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, I have been encouraged and I look forward hopefully by God's grace to be an encouragement to people to, um, to, to, you know, work with their children, uh, work with themselves and actually see what the Lord will do when, you are faithful to confess, repent, and be restored, and and He will grow and and you know mold you. And so that's that's my hope, and and that's my expectation. In fact, and if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't believe it. And so I'm just I'm I'm buying into the program, as it were. <laughs> so. I was having lunch with a or not lunch, it was uh, afternoon, whatever, with a, with a prisoner yesterday, and he has daughters, and he was telling me what his his advice to his daughters was, was for, for looking for the right person to marry. And he said, well, you don't know. You find a lot of good looking guys. You find a lot of guys who are able to you know, have muscles, all that kind of thing. But what you, what you want to look for is, and what you want to ask is after, of course, is this person a Christian? But if a person's a Christian, the next question you want to ask is, is this person going to, would, can I see this person dying for me? Like if someone broke into our house, could I see this person, even if he's, not strong, laying down his life for me and my children. And that's a great, that's a great thing. It's a great question. It's it's not, that's because then then you have uh, women, young girls looking for men to marry rather than, uh, rather than boys. It's a, it's a really good question. That's great. Yeah. It's like when I do pre-marriage counseling, we have people who are often younger, the younger they are, the more confused they are about this, particularly if they hadn't been, you know, sort of churched in a, in a church that was intentional about these things. And, um, and I'm always saying, you know, well, we got to make some decisions before you get married, including who's going to get up when something goes bump in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, you can, you can be as, as sort of, you know, open-minded and progressive as you want, but one of you is going to get it. So if you have like a week, you take a week and I take a week, like that's not <laughs> advised. So we need to come to grips with this. And, um, you know, and it's just, you know, it reminds me again, I think we've said it before, but just for me, the peak, of the problem came with that um, Italian uh, cruise ship uh, uh, wreck that was probably about yeah, 10 years yeah, ago yeah. now. You remember that? Yeah, and the yeah. captain was the first off Junk the ship. boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and even then, you know, I was pointing out at the time in my, I don't, it was the rector's form that I was a rector at that point also, but I was pointing out that, you know, as, as sort of excoriated as this man was and everyone was, no one was actually saying why. Like no one could say why this was wrong, except that he was the captain. And you were like, well, you know, there are a lot of people who would in that situation in a variety of capacities wouldn't feel the responsibility to die, except for that there's this wonderful traditional understanding of particularly on ships, you know, captain not only going down with the ship, but women and children getting off first. Right. And it was just um, I thought that was just that was just so illustrative that I whenever I think about this issue and and sort of the, the tragedy of of weak men um, who are, you know, could be, like you said, preening, quote unquote, macho men, nevertheless, or, or anything but an actual man. 
um, I think of that, that, that cruise boat captain. I mean, because I was like, I mean, that was just sort of like tailor-made for, for a biblical example of what not to do. But I do think, you know, Matt, uh, we probably should round it out now, but I think, um, like I said before, I have been intrigued by the level of discourse and the depth of conversation around these issues um, in a way that has brought me hope well, it has brought me hope in a way that I hadn't felt in, in a number of years, you know, after the sort of toxic masculinity and me too, and the Gillette ads and everyone was, um, you know, it, it seemed that things were going to just get, go from, from worse to worse. But I think that um, even going full circle back to the discussions around the Barbie movie, I mean, there seems to be a realization that, that, you know, outside of the people, the men and women who genuinely and unrepentantly hate the opposite sex, you know, and that's represented by the sort of hyper-sexualized men that just treat women like, you know, like, like chattel and, um, and the women who, who want to see all men, you know, like in that movie Zardoz, you know, like put into cages and just chart it out when they, when they can. It's like outside of those people. And thankfully they seem, they have a loud voice, but they don't seem to be the majority because it seems to be that there's some people, even if they're lost in the midst of the, what promises to be modern masculinity and femininity are asking questions of surely this, this, there could be a better way than this, you know, surely, you know, college doesn't have to be a hellscape of, you know, shame and regret. Like surely dating doesn't have to be a, um, you know, this, this sort of in, incredibly confusing things and on and on down the list. And I'm hopeful about that. I really am. And I'm, I'm glad to be a part of the conversation insofar as in my little um, you know, sphere of influence, uh, we get to have it. But I've found even people who I think 20 years ago would have been horrified by someone saying, well, perhaps we should examine what a positive masculine or positive feminine image looks like, because it would have, would have set alarm bells off to like, you know, 1950s, father knows best, you know, all the things that you hear. Even people like that, who I'm sort of bracing myself for when I talk about some of these things, have come with interest and and some insights, which I've been very grateful for. And you see something like Mary Harrington's, you know, what did she call it? Reactionary feminism looks a lot more like what I understood to be just Christian femininity than than and and by by relation Christian masculinity than um, than I ever. Well, that's just what it looks like. And so if that's what, if that's the direction we're headed within, I'm grateful. And so I hope that, um, I hope to see more of it in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I I think that um, I, we're on the winning side, of course, eschatologically. <laughs> and they are, our, our own culture might be headed to the dogs, but um, we're, we're going to win ultimately. And, and I think the reason why why people are are not satisfied with the answers being given to them by our own culture is because we're all made in God's image. And so and so whether you're a male or whether you're a man or a woman, you you that um your femininity or masculinity is is, is part of the way you bear God's image into the world. Um, and so it's important not to uh, lose that or to uh, disregard that. And uh, our culture is teaching us to do that. So um, so I, I think I think the I think the the future will be one in which the present genderless non-binary weirdness is going to be uh, thrown into the dustbin, and and uh, true men and true women will rise out of that dust. 
Amen. Let it be so, Lord. Um, and we will uh, do our part to, <laughs> to, to watch that come to fruition. Well, we've missed Nick because uh, I'm sure he would have edited and kept us uh, on a much tighter leash. But there we go. This is what we got. But uh, Matt, it's a great joy as always to be with you. And um, we'll trust that Nick will be back with us next week. But um, in the meantime, if you like the show, like us on um, iTunes, right? We need to, or wherever you, wherever likes can be given, give us one um, and uh, send any questions to Stand Firm uh, mailbag at standfirminfaith.com. And um, I think I say now, by God's grace, uh, we'll be standing firm. <laughs> Take care. See you next week. 